0: As we're getting ready for communion this morning, um, we've had a couple weeks now where we've just had some really neat Holy Spirit encounters and, um, what a beautiful thing celebrating God's gift and the message today we're going to be talking about is opening God's gift and the greatest gift that you can open is the gift of salvation and when we enjoy salvation, um... Jesus said this to forget not my benefits. I want to tell you today that you have every benefit under the sun with Jesus Christ today. And when that gospel comes into your life and in your heart, it's not just a one-time thing where you raise your hand at a big meeting, came to the altar and asked Jesus in your heart. That's just the beginning. It's like you're stepping into the doorway. So when we enjoy communion today, and I do say enjoy, Jesus, we enjoy the benefits that God has for us. We remember... The cost of of that cross, but we also remember the joy that was set before him that's also given to us, that we celebrate the resurrected power. We don't celebrate a Jesus that is on the cross. We celebrate a risen Savior. Amen? Amen. As you're taking your bread and the juice, which represents Jesus' blood... we'll never ever be able to put into context maybe what that moment felt like for those disciples as they sat with Jesus and he he partook with them in that communion. And today, if we just take a few minutes just to kind of reflect on that and understand what God has done for us, we'll just take a minute just to um, look into that and Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Shall we partake of that together? This is my blood, which is shed for all mankind. That's you, that's me. Shall we partake together? Father, we thank you this morning. That we can do this in remembrance of you. That we remember the supreme sacrifice that you paid. That all the sins, all the problems, all the setbacks, all the pain. Lord, not only did you cover it, but you threw it as far away as the west is from the east. Into a sea of forgetfulness. And Lord, thank you that you don't hold our past against us. And that today, because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that you paid, your mercies are new today for us. And your grace is sufficient to us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Celebrating God's gift, if you have your Bibles today, we still bring those to church on Sundays. Whether you have the electronic version or the paper version, turn real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Last week when we were going in through the service, we touched on it very briefly, so for the next few weeks, we're going to be kind of diving into, this is going to be kind of a little school class thing here today, Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. The gifts of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I want you to know there's a very definitive difference between the gifts of the Holy Spirit and having some worldly skills. How many of you know that's the truth? So what hap- has happened in the church, though, and it's been going on for a long time, is there's this wrestling match in our flesh. The Bible says this, those who mind the things of the flesh, mind the things of the flesh. And those who mind the things of the Spirit, mind the things of the Spirit. So you can be a fleshly Christian, if you will... And not really dive into what God has for your life, all the fullness he has for you. Remember when I said during communion that you're just kind of stepping into it uh, when you come into your relationship with Christ? I heard a great man of God, Norm Nelson, tell me it's kind of like walking into a mansion. And many Christians have walked into the mansion and they're just standing in the foyer looking at the chandelier. And I love that example because when we move into God and we move into the deeper things, Paul says it like this, let's go from the milk of God's word to the meat of God's word. How many of you know it's, it's nice to have a quick, uh, quick drink, but it's awesome to really dive in and enjoy the things of God that he has for us. And 1 Corinthians 12 helps us in understanding how we can dive deeper into the things of God for our life. Spiritual gifts. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. Turn real quick and say, you've got some special abilities. I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one who speaks by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and to another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Last week you saw some of that going on. It is the one and the only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person Should have Pretty neat, isn't it? Now, in that scripture from 12 through 14, not only does he go through the list of the gifts of the Spirit, but he also goes into their function in the church. So we're going to dive in today of celebrating God's gift and understanding first and foremost, in order to dive in to the spiritual gifts that God has for us, we've got to kind of want them, okay? So there's a whole lot of churches that I'll tell you right now that really could care less whether these are there or not. Some of them. There are some churches who would rather work and function in their own ways, and they're really not interested in prophesying. And they're really not interested in praying for the sick. They're really not interested in that kind of thing. Can I get an amen? So we have the whole segment of churches that go through and say, well, when the apostles died, all of this stopped. Everyone's saying, bah. that's a big theological mishmash mess. There's nothing biblically to even prove or suggest that that's even possible. There was a whole slew of disciples beyond the 12 disciples that were doing the thing, same things Jesus was doing, doing these works in greater. They were out there, the 70 that came through and got blessed and filled with the power of the Spirit, were doing the works of the Spirit. So I'm going to shake us up a little bit today. How many of you know I'm, I'm, I've been put in this church to shake people up? Francis Chan writes this, this is really important for us, if we're to get in the gifts of the Spirit. If I were Satan, my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purpose. One of my main strategies would be is to get churchgoers to ignore the Spirit. The degree to which that has happened, and I would argue that it's prolific disease in the body of Christ, is directly connected to the dissatisfaction most of us feel in the church. We understand something very important is missing. The feeling is so strong that some have run away from the church and God's word completely. I believe that missing something is actually a missing someone, namely the Holy Spirit. Without Him, people operate in their own strength and only accomplish human-sized results. The world is not moved by love or actions that are of the human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Holy Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world can't help but notice. When you start to live in the supernatural power of grace that God's given to you, the world takes notice. How many of you have been broken free from something? They call it a testimony. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. How many of you had a testimony here, and it was only because of a supernatural breakthrough in your life, and you can give testimony to that? Supernatural, the world, can only take notice. And the world does take notice when it sees that there is power outside of themselves. See, what the world suggests and what we start to do is we start to adopt certain New Age principles in our churches, and we start to align ourselves with kind of self-empowerment, and we're guided by ourselves and our own skill and our own wisdom, you might, not, you might have worldly wisdom, but if you're not working in the wisdom of the Father, you don't got wisdom at all. The church cannot help but be different, and the world can't help but notice what our spiritual gifts for. It's really under, really important for us to understand what gifts are for. I love the title of Unwrapping God's Gifts. You know, you have Christmas time and celebrations and birthdays where you unwrap these gifts in our house in the living room on Christmas morning. We'll have gifts scattered everywhere and papers scattered everywhere. Everybody's enjoying those gifts. But you know what's so neat about the gifts of the Spirit when you get a gift opened up and you start to understand that, hey, this gift was given to me, it's not just given to you, it's for you to give back to other people around you. Spiritual gifts are for one thing, and many of us might know this already, but I'm just going to give us all another highlight on this. Spiritual gifts are for strengthening others. I love what John Piper writes. He says, if there is anybody around you whose faith is being threatened in any way at all, take stock... Whether you may have a spiritual gift peculiarly suited to strengthen that person. See, all of us in here have spiritual gifts. You have them. You were basically born with them. When you came into into the kingdom of God, God not only endowed you with His Spirit and gave you that new life and new birth, He also jammed you full of really specific spiritual gifts. Some of you in here are empowered. To pray for the sick. Some of you have this, the gift of healing where your heart is moved for for healing people and praying for people. But what I want you to, what I, my suggestion would be is this is when you're walking around and you're at work, and when you're at home, and when you're at school, wherever you're at, and you see people around you that are in pain. Does anybody know anybody in pain in here? You just might be the right person at the right time to endow them with a spiritual gift and bless them with something. You might have a word of wisdom. You might have a word of knowledge. Have you ever had that time where maybe the Holy Spirit pricked you to start praying for someone out of the blue? Isn't that neat how the Holy Spirit works with us and talks to us? That the Holy Spirit isn't just this cold doctrine, I believe in the Trinity, but the Holy Spirit comes alive to you. John Piper goes on to write, I believe that the problem of not knowing our spiritual gifts is not the basic problem. The more basic problem is of not desiring very much to strengthen other people's faith. Human nature is more prone to tear down than to build up, isn't it? We see a person in problem. It's not the spiritual gifts problem. You have something moving in you and the Spirit prompts you and you have some things going on in your life. But how do you know sometimes it's because we don't want to help that person over there because we don't like that person. So it's more the basic problem isn't so much about not knowing spiritual gifts. It's about not wanting to help those out there. It's about not wanting to help humankind because we look at that person and we say, well, they deserve it. It's our human nature to tear down. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us have tore people down before? Romans chapter 1. Verses 11 and 12, let's jump there real quick. We need the Holy Spirit bad, don't we? I don't need more church in a box. I don't need more success conferences. I don't need more how to grow this or do that. You know what we need more of? We need more of the Holy Spirit. Romans 1, 11 and 12. Paul was so excited, he said it like this about the good news and what God has. He said, for I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. You cannot grow strong in the Lord without being imparted with spiritual gifts. You can't hinge your life on faith. If Christianity is based on nothing but faith and obedience in Christ, then we need those spiritual gifts to drive us forward in life. We need the spiritual gifts and the practice of them. We need that to be encouraged. I can tell you right now that I'll never forget years ago, man, prophesied over me and my life and Anne's life. And let me tell you something. That one prophetic time has completely driven us. It was one time. How many of you in this church have been blessed because somebody had a spiritual gift and you didn't know them and you didn't know what they had and all of a sudden they blessed you in the name of Jesus? Isn't it great? Isn't it a wonderful thing to be encouraged by people who are not scared to impart something to people? By the way, impart means this. It means to give, to share, to distribute, to grant. The word implies liberally and generously. So whatever spiritual gift you have today, and maybe you don't know it. By the way, in the next com- coming weeks, we've done spiritual gifts tests. How many people here have done a spiritual gifts test before? We've all done them, right? We pretty much know them. But some of you in here might not have taken a spiritual gifts class. In fact, what I would challenge the young people to are graduates. Didn't you like the graduates, the turning tassels? Wouldn't it be great if, 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 if they haven't taken those, they can disperse those into the crazy college campuses that are out there and the humanistic places and say, We've got something! Whatever your spiritual gifts are, the motivation needs to be from love. It's interesting, you really can't impart something or give something to people if you don't really love them. We can't use the gifts selfishly on ourselves. God, I've got four spiritual gifts. Yeah, but what are you doing with them? Are you imparting them to people? Because if once we start to love people, once we really start to identify with people, then that's a special thing. Romans chapter 12 Verse 8, let's jump a few chapters ahead and see what else he has to say about these gifts. He goes through all these different gifts. In verse 8 it says, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Isn't it interesting he admonishes the believers to use their gifts? Because I believe what happens in the church is we have the hired staff of official people that are supposed to be administering, right? That's how American church does it. We pay the pastor. I get to go watch the game. You leave me alone. I'll pay my type check, and I'll go on my way. Can we get another... So he says, use it. And don't just act like you love someone. How I many of you felt that kind of from someone before? i <laughs> are really not interested. But he encourages the believers to use it, not to sit on their hands. He encourages them to say, whatever you have. If your ability is encouragement, go encourage someone. Be an encourager to someone. If your ability is to give, well then give. And it doesn't mean, by the way... We do this kind of, we're like, well, my gift's not this, so I don't have to. No, it doesn't say you don't have to be kind. Be kind. But you have a special grace that God gave you. That's what He's expressing there. So it's not that you say, well, I'm disqualified because I don't have that gift. No, you go jump in with where you can serve and do it and do it with all of your heart. Cheerfulness. John Piper writes this. Do they exercise a skill in such a way that you can tell is an expression of their hearty reliance on the Lord? A church where the Holy Spirit is alive and powerful will be a church where they're very sensitive to the difference between natural abilities and spiritual gifts. We've all been a part of the churches that are filled with the board board members of the highly successful in the community. And it's nothing more than a rotary club, basically. We, We look at the boards. I remember years ago here... We were kind of going through some transitions, and I actually asked a very demonstrative question. Can you believe that?
1: I said, does anybody know if
0: so-and-so is even saved? I don't care how much money you have in your wallet. If you don't know Christ, you've got nothing. And you have no... Ability to speak into church leadership and the functions of the Spirit if you're on my board and you don't even have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You tell me church has got it backwards. Come on, church. Come on! We got the beautiful buildings and the new carpet and the new chairs. We got the successful community members. It might as well be a chamber of commerce meeting going on in half the churches going on. Ah! But when you have men and women and leadership who understand that their talents and their abilities are not just this worldly skill that I know. And by the way, I'm not knocking skills. If you're a skilled laborer or have a trade, you see what Nehemiah did. I'm not talking about those things. God gives us these brains and we use them practically every day of our life. That's not what I'm stressing. I am stressing the form and function of the church where the Holy Spirit in His breath is the foundation and we say, we're going to use these gifts and we're going to be proud of them. I want you to become proud of the gifts God gives to you. You know, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He was proud of it. I'm not ashamed of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm not ashamed of the gift of exhortation that God blessed me with. I want to give this to someone. I have something to give. Turn to somebody and say, I have something to give to you. I've got something to give to you. We must become proud. We are too bashful in the church. And so we stay comfortable in the church and we stay comfortable in what we do and we don't go after what God has for us and seek after the deeper things of God. But I will tell you this, if you're comfortable where you're at, and you don't want to have changes, and you don't want to have inspiration for the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be dogmatic in your approach in life, then keep going on in your boring journey. (laughs) This is not, and what happens in the church is we get into a place where our doctrine is perfect, and everything is perfect and we have absolutely no life of the Spirit. We haven't cried a tear for anyone in the past 10 years. We got problems, folks. We haven't bled. There is no sense of emotion or passion or energy. And that's why Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift in you. Stir it up. Have you ever felt stagnant in your life before? i felt stagnant just doing the same thing, going along the same way. And the Holy Spirit comes and surprises even me. And wakes me up and says, Steve, you're getting stagnant. You're getting too comfortable. I want you to tread lightly. I want you to take your shoes off. Because where are you standing holy? And that's right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. We want the success and the blessing. But we don't want to step out in faith. the exercise the skill in a way that you can tell it's an expression of their hearty reliance on the Lord. A powerful church will be sensitive to the difference between natural abilities and spiritual gifts. I love natural abilities, it's great. But I want people who have had an encounter with the Spirit of God and can direct me to the holy mountain so I can see God and I can know God differently than I have ever known Him before. God is so big. Do you know that God is so big? God wants to do things to you. He wants to give you gifts. He wants to bless your life. He wants to take you out of where you are to a place where He wants you to be. He has great futures for all of us. And many of us have just subjugated our life. To what the church keeps giving out, and we don't ask for more, we don't go after more, we don't long for more because we think this is it. Turn us around. We say this is not it. You've got something to say, by the way. Joel two twenty eight. Let's turn there real quick. Back in the Old Testament. Joel two twenty eight. I love this verse of scripture for our young people, and for everybody thinking it's the end of the world and nothing good's going to happen. It's a horrible place. I want you to tell you right now that the spirit is moving across the globe in ways that we don't even recognize right now. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands and millions upon millions of people are coming to Christ. It's absolutely crazy to write about what's happening. And us in America are sitting around here like, well, I don't know, God's really not doing anything. I don't know. The big picture is so wonderful. God is at at work. Joel 2.28 Then after doing all these things, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will what? What? And your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. And in that day I will pour out my spirit on servants, men, and women alike. Do you realize how this never happened before? Do you realize in the Old Testament the very fact that he said maidservants? Slaves were going to prophesy. Women. Women. Marginalized in the Old Testament. They were nothing more than property. God is saying, I'm pouring out my spirit on everyone and they will all prophesy. You say, what's prophecy? Prophecy isn't seeing who, where the mark of the beast is and if your dollar is going to be the next beast. Please get out of your beast conversations for a moment and see what the spirit's doing. There's been beasts since the beginning of time. We spend more time trivializing these things as opposed to diving into what God is doing right now in people's lives. You've got something to say. By the way, prophecy means this. It means to bring God's viewpoint to earthly matters. A prophet is one who sees and one who speaks for God. You say, can I be that person? Can I prophesy? You can prophesy today. Everyone can prophesy. So wait, I don't have to give that. I didn't say you have to give the prophecy. I said, you can prophesy. You can prophesy to dead boats in your life. You can prophesy to the person going through really bad encounters in your life. And what you can start to say is say, well, as opposed to going, I don't know what I can do. You say, God. Can you feel me today so that I might have a word to share with someone? Now, your pulpit might not be here on Sunday morning. Your pulpit might be on the, on the train next week. Your pulpit might be at work. It might be in the airline. You might be sitting next to someone and God gives you something. You know, I was supposed to tell someone something. I've told this a million a times. We were at the bowling alley. There was a lady there and God pressed my heart to say something. That person. Anybody been there before? Well, Big old Pastor Steve with a big mouth decided to shut my mouth in that moment. I don't want to do it. Anybody been there before? The Holy Spirit will make you uncomfortable. And he'll call it, we make the Holy Spirit to make us more comfortable? No, the Holy Spirit can make you really uncomfortable. I want to say it. Ever heard of Jonah? I want to say it! you got something to say. And I believe for a believer one of the things that the, that the devil takes away from you is your voice. Because when the spirit of fear comes over, we're afraid to say anything. We, we, don't, we don't want to say, we don't want to rock, rock the boat. We have. I don't want to talk to this lady at the bowling alley. God, I'm just bowling with my family. And basically what I'm saying is, leave me alone. I'm having fun. Anybody been there before? Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Really? Well, now... My heart's still pricked. My heart's still pricked. It's not going away. Having fun with my kids. I got something to do, Steve. I got work to do. You have something to say. Go to the store. They end up at the same store we're at. Steve, you got something to say. No, no, no. How many of you know we are really stubborn? And we have two fears. One is the fear of men. And the other one is an honest fear, and we can't be silly with this. We can't be sloppy with it. But it's the fear that we'll get it wrong. But I would rather be half right than completely wrong. Can I get it again? I would rather have a willing heart to step in and say, "God, just like Peter, bit me there, get me out there. I get me out of the water. I'll do it." And Peter steps out of the water, and we all say, "Peter sunk in the water." But Peter walked out of water. He's the only one. I walked on water because he was willing to step out of the boat. See, gifts are kind of like that. You say, well, how do I start using them? You start using them. I don't get it. What, What do I do? That's where you have to start relying on the voice of God. The instruction manual didn't tell us all the ways that it's going to happen, did it? He just said, there's the gifts. He gave us order and service. We can't be out of order. The Corinthian church was a hot mess. And he said, guys, you're out of order with this. We need to create some order and service so that the gifts of the Spirit work and that the world can get it and we can all get it and have fun. So I believe in order, but I also believe that the, that, that the Holy Spirit will come in your life and he'll mess your order up and he'll start having you say things to people at bowling alleys. Can I get an amen? Here's the role of the prophet. I love how Paul J. Pastor writes this. The role of the prophet is not primarily to tell the future, nor is it to speak for God in vague ephemeral sort of manner that does not have any clear underlying aim. Prophecy exists with an edge as keen as Saul's spear. It is speaking for God against the false powers of the world, political, economic, systematic, and personal, that raises its head against the love of the Lord. This is why Christians use the word prophetic to speak of people like Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., Bishop Oscar Romero and Mother Teresa, and many others whose words and lies point to the truth stronger than the vicious system of human power that are so contrary to the kingdom of God. Their prophecy is forceful and unforgettable precisely to the degree that it lays bare the ever-beating heart of evil that pulsates in the breasts of humans. Prophecy is the spirit of creation and creativity using the mouths of men and women to lock the system joints And bend the world backwards to remember the original goodness and beloved of what he has made. Do You know, that's the point of prophecy. You think about the times when the Apostle Paul stood up and Peter stood up. They said these men have been with Jesus. They're uneducated men, but they've been with Jesus. I can tell you right now, there's a lot of people here that don't have doctorate degrees and theology that have more God in them than the guy who studied all the scripture. I love what T.D. Jakes once said. He said, "There's a lady making fried chicken in the kitchen that's more annoying than you." Thank you, God, that I'm not like the rest of them. Thank you, God. God, oh, thank you for my degree. In. Degree. I have more degrees than everyone else, and I'm the authorized person to speak that things. You are authorized. And you are a child, Son of God today, you have a voice, and you can speak in the darkness, and you can prophesy the to dead bones. Turn someone say, I have a voice. Don't be afraid to speak. Some of you have been afraid to speak. And by the way, I'm not going to tell you that once you speak, that all those dead bones will come up in, to life. I'm telling you that you just have to speak. You might go into situations and those dead bones start to chase you out of the room and hit you over the head. You might not be liked for what you have to say. But I'd rather please God than please men. Paul J. Pastor goes on to write often, we want God to bribe us though. We ask for him to pay us off somehow to make a transaction so clear that there's no pondering to be done, no doubt to push through, and no power to overthrow. You know, sometimes you just have to get through that power that says you can't go through that. But what prophecy does is it opens up and it bursts through the wall and it says, nothing, no wall is stopping me because the voice of God is stronger than any wall that's been set up. Think, whoa, man, this is so hard. This is difficult. Yes, it's going to be difficult. We want God to bribe us. We want God. God, make this so clear. We throw the fleece out. He gives us the fleece, just like he gave me that one day. And I said, no. Well, we need another fleece. Nope, I didn't have a dove fly over my head. Folks, when are we going to start to use the God-given voice on by the way, it's not just in preaching the gospel necessarily. It's not in this traditional Sunday morning sense where you have to give someone the Roman road and give them all the correct verses of scripture. It is giving a word in season. It's asking God to give you something to give to someone else. It's saying, God, what can I say? What can I do? How many have been in a situation where you're like, I don't have the words to speak. I don't even know what to say. I love what the apostle says. He said, you know what? When you go before men, don't worry about what you're going to say. There's been so many times where I'm like, Lord, man, what what do I do? There's been times where I walk into here and I'm like, Lord, I hope the words that you gave me were the right words to say. I, I hope they are. But don't worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will fill you at that right time to speak those words. It might be one word. The prophetic thing might be one word, come alongside with a hug. It might be something to say, listen, you got it. I remember my youth pastor came up to you once, and I'll never forget it. It was a summertime. We would go to the school, during school, and pray before school. A group of us would pray in the sanctuary there, uh, first assembly at the time. I don't know what it's called now, but no. I'm just, we, we'd go there. Sorry, that was me and Brad's joke. But I'll never forget my youth pastor. And he says, Steve, he goes, You've lost the eye of the tiger. And I go, duh, duh, duh. No, I'm but i But it really spoke to me. He, he said that to me, and I knew exactly what he was talking about. He didn't give me four verses of scriptures to go ponder that night. He simply spoke something. See, God says, I'm going to prophesy through your sons and daughters and your mates. I'm going to prophesy through the most unsuspecting people. And what I believe happens, and when revival starts to brew here in the United States and growing, and there's a groundswell of a remnant of people, you're going to have young people rising up, and they're going to be proclaiming things because they don't care what you think. And that's what's great about young people. Young people don't even care what you think. We're the ones that care. We've got to be proper, and we've got to have it all put together. Young people say, who cares? Turn to someone and say, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? And by the way, the people that you're trying to impress aren't your friends anyways. They're just not. They might be social. They might be in your social circles, but they ain't your friends. You got maybe two or three good people in your life if you're lucky. And the rest of the people are all a bunch of people with a facade going on in your life. So you better find your good friends and you better realize that those people are not going to allow you to shut your mouth with what God's trying to tell you. What if God isn't in you in that moment? I told you that story about the lady. Don't wait. God is standing at the door and knocking. And I've always said this, that little track of Jesus standing at the door and knocking, trying to get in. He's not trying to get in the unbeliever's life. Read the context of that verse. He's trying to get in the believer's life let me in, let me in let me in, let me in I got something to say prophesy and you don't have to have it all figured out he asked asked the prophet he said speak to these dry bones do you believe that they can live and his response was this only you know only you know don't have to have the next 16 chapters of your life worked out. Because only God knows. But God asks the question to you, do you believe that the words that I fill you with are enough right now in this moment? And I believe that words bring life. It's amazing when God created the earth, and by the way, for all our graduates, God did create the world. (laughs) He spoke it existence I lay before you blessing and cursing and so long in the church we have been cursing people we have been cursing our situations we have been cursing those around us we have been cursing the ones that we say we love with our talk and I am telling you God has been giving you the ability to prophesy are we willing to be changed Paul J. Pastor writes this we naturally desire to be prophets everybody wants to be a prophet right But it's also in our nature to cover our ears when we meet true prophets. How many have been offended by by a prophet before? To tar and feather them, to run them on the rail, to stone, to burn, to crucify them. From the blood of righteous Abel to the way way of Zechariah, we love the idea but hate to see our own agenda lay naked in the dust before the Spirit who sees all things clearly. See, when God starts to speak... And when someone starts to give something, all of a sudden, all our ideas and everything gets laid bare. Earnestly seek after the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. You don't have to turn there. Paul gives an admonishment today. And by the way, if you're not seeking after the gifts of the Spirit, I challenge you to do that. Seek after them. Ask for them. Talk to God. Earnestly seek the gifts. Francis Chan writes, I think the fear of God... Failing us leads us to cover for God. This means we ask for less, we expect less, and we're satisfied with less because we're afraid to ask for more and expect more. We even convince ourselves that we don't want more than all we have, that God we need or could want. I can't imagine how much it pains God to see His children hold back from relationship with the Holy Spirit out of fear that He won't come through. We get satisfied. That Paul says, I have everything I need in life. Everything I need. Luke 11:13 let's see what Jesus said about this I want us to want more By the way, when our kids were getting gifts from us, it excited us to see their excitement. How many of you gave those gifts and you were really excited because your kids were excited? How many of you would love to have your kids open up and say, thanks. What's next? Thanks. Thanks, Mom and Dad. That's how we treat our relationship with God. We somehow forget that the passion and the motion and the drive that God has for us is something different. Luke eleven thirteen. 13. So if if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for Him? So churches across Rockford, I beg us all to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Ask for more of Him. When you come to church, I challenge you this next week, and when you go to your Bible studies where you're getting more of the same information you already know about, ask for Him. When you come here and you say, well, I've heard that kind of message before. I've heard the thing on the gifts. Yes, but did you get more of the Holy Spirit? Are you asking for Him? Start looking ahead. Start envisioning God doing great things. Do you know we all have dreams and visions. Some of our dreams are nightmares. Some of us... We focus on the nightmares, and God wants to fill our imaginations. I can tell you that as I grew in my knowledge of the Holy Spirit and my knowledge of God, I would imagine myself preaching to our four people, even at the age of 15. Start to think about what God wants to do and how He's going to use you. And maybe maybe God has the gift of hospitality in your life, and you say, man... This week's been rough. Well, maybe to get out of your roughness, maybe you just need to start using the gift to the hospital to get out of your grumpiness. Wouldn't that be great? If you're a hospitable person, use that gift to get you out of yourself. If you're a merciful person, go show mercy to someone. I'm not a very merciful person, so that's not my gift. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, Isaiah 43 says, A path in the mighty waters. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness. I think that's for all of us. You know, I was part of the fullness movement at our church. You know, Pastor Kimball, the Holy Spirit started moving. We were part of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I remember my mom would tell me I was a little too young for this, but I was too, too young to understand what was going on, but Old enough to know what was going on. At our church, the Holy Spirit came in. And there was a day and age in Rockford where if you raised your hands at worship, that was a no-no. Can I get an amen there? You were a weirdo. You raised your hands in worship. So we had the hand raisers. And we had the non-hand raisers. And the non-hand raisers would go around with their pencils and pens seeing who was a hand raiser. And they would report to the pastor, these people... Are drawing attention to themselves faster. These are the raisers. Fullness movement starts happening. People start getting delivered. You know demons, those those things called demons. See, we think we think of it in terms of spiritual warfare. There's a little demon over here and a little pitchfork and an angel over here. Let me tell you something. There are people that are bound by the enemy that need deliverance in 2018. They don't need more medicine. So I was part of the fullness movement. It started in the Lutheran renewal in the 70s, and the Lutherans and the Catholics came alive. And the Holy Spirit started moving the Catholic Church. Can you believe that, good old Baptist? He uses to them too? Come on. The Lutheran renewal happens. Someone gives the Baptist the Holy Spirit, and they say, what's going on here? And they say, I don't know, but the Holy Spirit's up to something. But now the problem is this. We go, well, what is God doing? Because I don't believe God's plan is church in a box. I don't believe God's plan and movement and the Holy Spirit is what we have right now. This is no more than men doing things to get their way and their drive. But I believe God is doing a new thing. But what we can't do is our brains can't go back to 1983. No, because God's doing a new thing. We can't revert back to how it was. We must go to the idea, he said, can you not perceive? What I challenge you this week, and this is my challenge for your encounter with the Holy Spirit. Do you think God is a big God and he wants to do more in your personal life? Does He want to bring revival to you first and foremost? And the way He brings revival to you and to me is that He wants to endow to you spiritual gifts for you to open up. The Bible says to earnestly seek the gifts so you can't stop that encounter. So even though you might know your gifts right now, do you think the Holy Spirit might have more gifts for you to unfold? So we have old, we have new. And some of us, we look to the old as a pattern, but the old's not the pattern, the new the pattern. And some of us snap our lines to say, well, the Holy Spirit did it this way here. But how many you know God can't be figured out? You can't put him in a box. You can't say, well, God's relegated to do it this way and do it that way. Folks, I don't know what God's up to in Turning Point Church, but let me tell you something. Our perception has got to change. I don't know what season we're in right now. I was texting people to pray for the service today. I was texting my father-in-law, talking to him, and I said, pray for today. I really felt impressed. Something's going on. So we have people in California praying for us right now. Isn't that cool? I don't know what's going on. But we're getting on the train. This is the other hard part of the Holy Spirit and what he does. John 20, 21 says this, As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Mark Buchanan writes, Jesus uses the marketplace to touch the sick with healing. There he is, Lord of the holy Wild. Iconoclast of the safe God, striding hugely, robes flying about him, jostling with the crowds, spreading his hands wide, pressing those hands against the flesh, scalding with fever, or icy with approaching death, letting clutching, disease-soaked hands grab hold of him. That's Jesus and the marketplace. Then there are the Pharisees, lords of the borderland, charter members of the safe God society. If they go into the marketplace at all, They take great and great precautions. They avoid even the residue, even the shadow of the sick people's presence. There they are, prim-mannered, mincing their steps, holding themselves tight, picking up items between pinched ends of two fingers, rushing home to scrub up. Jesus is about healing the sick. The Pharisees are about avoiding them and making sure above all that they themselves don't get sick. What the gifts of the Spirit do is it gets us back into the place of not safety. It gets us back into the place of saying, God, where you step, I want to step. Where you step, I want to step. God, where you went, I want to go. God, the people that you were involved with, I want to be involved with. I don't want to be the person who is trying to keep from getting sick. I want to be around the people. Sandra, if you want to come up and start playing. The Pharisees are about avoiding them and making sure above all that they themselves don't get sick. And this has been something that's gone on in the church for far too long with our bumper sticker Christianity and our Christian clubs. And we have lost any influence whatsoever with the unbelieving world. Our perceptions must change. And it's interesting how we set all these gifts are administered through love. When we love people, we are going to bless their socks off. Don't you want to be a blessing soccer offer person? I want to be that person. I really do. I want to be the person that is earnestly seeking after what God has for me. I want more. I want more. I have never met a child in my life who was okay with just one Christmas present. Now, I know Tiny Tim was. But everyone I know wants one more present. And I love it when our kids. Little Emily, when we would go to Toys R Us, know, they had a little scanner. Now they do it in a way where you don't just write your stuff down. You can go through the whole store with a scanner and they just print off the catalog and they say, Here it is. Well, I mean Emily just going through going, Beep, 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 beep. I'm like, Do you even know what that is? I don't know. Beep! Beep! She just wants the whole store! She wants the whole store! Folks, do you want the whole store? I want the store. If I told you today right now, I don't care what your favorite store is, I said, you've got one hour to clean that joint up. You're going! Right? And you're not going to be bashful about it. I love guys' grocery games, they go three, two, one, and they get out of the cart, and they're going like this. Folks, I am telling you it takes childlike faith to understand the gifts again. I want you to get out of your head for a moment. I want you to get into your heart. I want it to be in my heart. I want to be one that earnestly seeks after the gifts. I want to be someone who says, Holy Spirit, I want more. I want to be those that Jesus said, if the Father, if you are sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does the Father want to do good gifts and give you the Holy Spirit when he asks I want you to be the person... That is in a hurry and wants more. I want you to have more. I want you to ask for more. And you know what? Here's going to be the flip side of it as we dive into this more weeks. Pray right in here next week. Then we have Father's Day, but we'll get back to this in a little bit. I want you to be someone who just asks for more. More of God, more filling. Ephesians tells us to be filled. I don't care where what happened in 1972 and the Holy Spirit did something for you then. It is 2018. Now there's something for you. Right here, right now. Only close our eyes for a moment. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here among us, that you are leading and you're guiding, you're counseling, you're correcting. I thank the Holy Spirit that you are moving through this place. And God, there might be some people in here who have never even, maybe even so much as heard a message with this kind of intensity about the gifts. And I pray, God, that that person, God, that you open their eyes, open our eyes, Father, to the understanding, even what we haven't figured out. Lord, we have so much to open. We have so much to do as a result of your goodness. But I pray, God, that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit as Scripture tells us not to. Because we are satisfied with our own little corner. But God, through the love that you gave to us, may we be the people out in the marketplace saying, what ways, what things do I have that I can give to help people out of their situation? Maybe they're in a dark corner right now, and you've got something that God wants you to do, but maybe you've been scared. Maybe you're like me right now, where God maybe pricked your heart to do something, and you said, I'm not doing it. And that's okay. God's going to give you another chance and another opportunity because he loves you. And he is more interested in your future than you are. Today may we be the shopping spree frenzy of people that said, God, give me more of you. Give me more of your spirit. I am not satisfied with what happened 25 years ago. I am satisfied, God, when you move it away. Help me to have the perception, God, to see and to imagine, God, what it is that you want to do through my life. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, first and foremost, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You don't have Him in your life. There's no relationship there. There's nothing cognitive going on between your heart and His. And today, you heard something Maybe you saw something and God's giving you something right now and he wants to come into your life, come into your heart and give you a brand new life, born again. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray with you today. You say, I want Jesus in my life. I want him to fill me up today with his presence. I want to know Jesus Christ Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you raise your hand, I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you today. Today, believer, maybe there's something that struck you. Maybe it was a scripture, maybe it was a word, whatever it was. And you say, you know what? I want to be filled with the Spirit today. I want to earnestly seek his gifts. I haven't been really going after him. Today, if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray that God fills you afresh today so that you can have a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit and that those gifts that maybe you didn't know were even evident will start to spill out onto other people so that you can impart to other people, just like Paul. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand today, anyone? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, I thank you for those people that have raised their hands. And just simply acknowledge that I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. God, it's a present tense term, it says be filled. And I pray, God, as they seek after you, they will find you when they seek you with all of their heart. God, I thank you that the gifts that opens to them, God, not only help them through their problems, but God, maybe as they unearth those gifts, that they're given an opportunity to bless someone else and impart to them something, that they can get over the top and become more than a conqueror. I pray that you shower those people today with your blessings and favor so that they can experience a victory and a joy like they've never had before. I pray a, a childlike faith that were those five people. And I just ask God that you work a mighty, mighty work in their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Why don't we all pray this together. Father, I thank you that you want to use me right where I'm at. I thank you for the gifts that I already know about and the gifts that I'm going to get to know. I thank you, God, for the people around me. For they're there not on accident. They're there on purpose. Help me, God, to love them so that I can impart to them a spiritual gift that they may need. Help me to have a voice, God. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen, amen, amen amen skis. Yeah.